I think this week is, as of right now, this is my plan uh, for the last Sunday of this series. Uh, we know sometimes my plans are not his plans, and so we'll see what happens. But we've been talking about uh, the series on the table, uh, the idea that we have a tool that God has given us that I don't think we all utilize to the fullest of its ability. It's a tool that is very practical. It's a tool that Jesus demonstrates. It's a tool that we see all throughout Scripture. That tool is our table. That God desires through our table for people to come to understanding, for people to have revelation and redemption and reconciliation. All these things to take place at our table. We've looked at Jesus as the example, that he used the table in his ministry. We've said that the table teaches us some disciplines. There's some things just about the table that it causes us to learn. The first discipline I talked about was it's hard to be at a table without being still, that it forces us to be still. The table, and, and I'm using this as a discipline today. I don't think when I preached it I called it that, but the table really brings about the discipline of community. Uh, I was reading an article this week, and I want to read some quotes from it about this discipline of, of community. And there was an article... Um, it was on the Atlantic. It's a website. It was talking about the decline of the church. And, and so I was reading it. And it's, it was trying to identify the cause for the decline of the church. And some of us assume that that decline came because of COVID or became because of, of, of all the issues with clergy or just whatever else. And this particular author, he had a whole different idea. Um, here's the quotes he had. Uh, More than pandemics or church issues, contemporary America simply isn't set up to promote mutuality, care, or common life. Rather, it's designed to maximize individual accomplishment as defined by professional and financial success. The problem in front of us is not that we have a healthy, sustainable society that doesn't have room for the church. The problem is that many Americans have adopted a way of life that has left us lonely, anxious, and uncertain of how to live in community with other people. To interpret those words, this author said, it's not about the issues of things that are happening. It's about the shift in the culture of America, away from community in itself. We don't need each other anymore. And so we're living in a culture that now says it's all about yourself. And because of that, people are running from or afraid to or just not conditioned for what community is. And so the church is suffering um, as a whole. The numbers of people who who participate in this are, are diminishing because we live in a culture that, that, that doesn't embrace or doesn't identify community very well. Actually, it's antithetical to community. Um, we talked about the discipline of preparation, that if we're going to have someone over to our table, that we must prepare, we must get ready, we must clean, we must do things. And then last week we talked about the discipline of invitation. Like, what's the point of cooking a meal if I'm not going to invite someone to come? There's lots of people who made lots of food today, and you know what their prayer is? That they don't take home what they made. Right? Everybody that's been in church knows. The last thing they want to do is take home what they made. They made it so someone would eat it. They made it so someone would enjoy it this morning. And so the invitation is important. Like, come and see. Come and, come and see that, that what we have is good. Today we're going to continue on. Um, and I am pretty stoked about what I'm preaching about today, which is always a good thing when a pastor says that. That's not a bad thing. Um, and I'm going to start with some verses that we read last week or a story that we talked about last week when it came to the invitation. Uh, there was a Samaritan woman who came to draw well and Jesus, draw water, and Jesus said to her, "Will you give me a drink?" His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, "You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans." 
And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The principle that I want to talk about today when it comes to the table, the lesson that I want to talk about today when it comes to this idea of the table, it's revealed in these verses. This woman went looking for water and Jesus said, you don't know what you're seeking. He said, I have water that will do what? I have water that will cause you to never thirst again. There's a principle that Jesus has. We're going to look at several stories this morning in a short period of time. And we're going to see that that Jesus, when someone comes to his table, the last thing he wants them to do in our home, you know what happens at our house? We'll sit down at the table. And you know what happens five minutes later? Graham says, I'm hungry. It doesn't matter. I'm hungry. Jesus, when someone comes to them to his table, when someone is, is sitting down to eat with him, his desire, his will, what he's saying to them is you shouldn't walk away saying, I'm hungry or I'm thirsty, but you should never thirst again. Why? Because his table is a place where we are satisfied. Jesus Christ satisfies at his table. There's a story. It's, this happens a couple times in the ministry of Christ. It's a story that we see throughout the Gospels. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, and he healed the sick. As evening approached, the disciples came and said, This is a remote place, Walmart's closed, and it's getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy some food. And Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Man, I think Jesus is saying to someone this morning, you give them something to eat. We have only here five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them to me, he said, and he directed them, and the people sat down on the grass. Or he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. He gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. Verse 20. They all ate and were satisfied. The disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate were about 5,000 men besides the women and children. I want to tell you that Jesus' desire is that when someone comes to your table, when you go to his table, that you would eat and be satisfied. It didn't say they all ate just a little bit. It said they all ate and were satisfied. They ate until they were full. This verse, these verses, it it appears in all the Gospels. Look at this, Matthew 15. They all ate and were satisfied. 
Uh, Mark 6.42, they all ate and were satisfied. Isn't this amazing? Luke chapter 9, verse 17, they all ate and were satisfied. Look at Mark chapter 8. It says in those, the people ate and they were satisfied. In John chapter 6, when they had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces for those that are left over. They were seated and they ate as much as they wanted. Jesus says it time and time again in the scriptures. People came and they ate and were seems so simple. But the table is a place where we're satisfied. But the reality is many times we're coming and we're leaving hungry. We're coming and we're leaving thirsty. Jesus Christ, he's saying, no, you come to the table. You know what's cool? This story actually happens in the Old Testament too. Do you know that? There's a story in 2 Kings. It's going to sound a little bit familiar. This is the prophet Elisha. A man came from Baal Shalashah, I'll say it fast for Walt's sake, bringing the man of God 20 loaves of barley bread baked from the first ripe grain along with some heads of new grain. Give it to the people to eat, Elisha said. How can I set this before a hundred men, his servant asked. But Elisha answered, give it to the people to eat. This is what the Lord says. They will eat and have some left over. He said it before them. They ate and had some left over according to the word of the Lord. God is a God who satisfies God is a God who doesn't have just enough. He has more than enough. God is a God who longs for you to be satisfied, to eat and be full, to drink and be, be, have that thirst quenched within you. We're settling for not enough. We're settling for not being satisfied. This story comes after another story in 2 Kings. One of my favorites in Scripture. It's the story of the widow and her husband had died. And there were these people who were coming to, to take collect the debt that, that her, her dead husband owed. I mean, talk about cruel people in Scripture. Woman dies. Debt collectors show up to her house. They say, we're, we're calling the note on your husband. If you can't pay it, I'm going to take your sons. The prophet is there. Elisha, he, he's responding. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for their empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it, put it to the side. She left him. She shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When, are the, when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, he said, go and sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left. We have a God who is a God of full. He's a God of a full 
measure. He's a God who longs. He could have just simply paid this woman's debt or this man's debt. But no, he went beyond because he said, that's not going to satisfy you. That's not going to fulfill you. I'm going to give you enough that you and your sons can now live on. I'm telling you, at times we're content to not be satisfied. We're content to not be fulfilled. We're okay with just a little bit of a morsel. We're okay with not dining fully at his table. And then we wonder, why? Why am I not satisfied? I'm telling you, Christians should be the most satisfied people on earth. Do you hear what I'm saying? As children of Jesus Christ, we should be the most fulfilled people around. But I'm not sure that's what we're showing. I'm not sure that's what people always see. I'm not sure that's what's been demonstrated by the body of Christ. When someone looks at us, they should see people who are satisfied. That doesn't mean everything's rosy, everything's great, but it means I'm satisfied. I'm fulfilled. I'm content. We should be defined by being a content people, a satisfied people with more than enough. But we're starving. We're drawing water that only meets a temporary need. We're not recognizing living water that is right before us, that is promised us, will never thirst again. John 6.35 Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The promise of Jesus. Remember this is where he says, I'm the bread of life. He was comparing himself to the manna of the Old Testament from, from, from the Israelites as they were all doing the exodus and they were hungry and they were, they were complaining and grumbling and God sent manna from heaven. And he said, you thought that manna was good, but I'm the bread of life. I'm the one. You eat from me. You eat of me. And you'll never be hungry again. You'll never be thirsty again. You know why I love this? Because God, this is a kingdom principle here. God longs to satisfy you. Why? Because he's going to use you to bring satisfaction to others. That's the body of Christ. That's the principle of God. What did he promise that woman in, in, at the well? He said what? Springs of living water will do what? What did he tell her? They're going to well up within you. Look at what John chapter 7, the next chapter, the last and greatest day of the festival. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will do what? Why do you have a river of living water flowing from you? Because someone needs a drink. Do you understand that? 
That Jesus longs for you to be satisfied so that someone can come to you and have a drink. If you're only getting a trickle, there's not much coming out. If you're only taking a sip, there's probably not a stream or a river coming from you. Psalm 107. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. He satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good deeds. Are you satisfied? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be they'll be filled. God wants his people to be satisfied. Taco Tuesday. You know what happens when the kids come down? They eat until they're full. I don't care if the school only gives them 30 minutes. You're amazing how much you want to witness how food can get consumed in just a short period of time. And kids can eat until they're full. I have witnessed plates with a mound of taco meat. I have heard kids say we ate like seven tacos in 25 minutes. Someone said, Pastor, why aren't you serving them? People I've talked about, why don't you serve the kids? Because I want them to eat until they're full. The table is a place where people are satisfied. This morning in communion, we're going to come to his table and we're going to be satisfied. But your table is a place for others to be satisfied. And I will tell you, you know, Jesus used fish and and bread and they ate until they were full. He didn't give them steak and potatoes. What Jesus wants to accomplish at your table is more than the food that you're offering. It's more than the tacos that we're serving. The backpacks yesterday, that's an awesome event. That's an awesome act of love. But my heart is, if they don't, if I, I don't just do it, this, let's word this correctly. I don't just do this just, just to give. I do it because I want people to see the love of God. I'm not just doing it just to distribute. I'm doing it because I want people to recognize there's a God who loves them. And when someone comes to your table, they're not going to be fully satisfied unless you reveal who Jesus Christ is to them. Unless your life is a reflection, unless you've been satisfied and that stream of living water is flowing from you, they will leave hungry. Does that make sense? Man doesn't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Sometimes we meet physical needs in order to satisfy spiritual hungers and thirsts in others. Sometimes we meet physical needs 
But we're not just meeting the physical needs. We read a scripture in Sunday school today about people who said, Lord, did we not do all these things in your name? Did we not, did we not prophesy? Did we not lay our hands on the sick? Did we not cast out demons? And he said, I never knew you. You see, we can do things with the wrong motivation. My motivation, the heart of, uh, of the churches, is that I want people to experience the love of God. I want people to know that there is living bread and living water that they just need to taste and see. Why? Because it's good. We went to Denver this week. On Tuesday, we got back on Thursday night. On Friday, I was working on my sermon. Saturday, we had the backpack outreach. But guess what I made time for on Saturday? Spiritual. Cincinnati chili. Why? Because I wanted people not to just come and see, but to taste and see. You see, if we believe it, we'll make a way for it. If we believe it's good, if we believe in us, if you believe in you, there is a stream of living water that's flowing. If you believe in you, there is a stream of living water that that needs to come from you. You will invite others to take a drink. You invite others to experience that living water. We don't know what dry and parched lands are now. This verse used to mean a lot more. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. And he says what? You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and you will rise and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. See, there's something in us that when we are in the presence of God, when we've been satisfied by all that God has offered, when we've eaten living bread so that we're never hungry again and we've drank living water from the one who gives it that we never thirst again we become like a what a well watered garden is a garden growing fruit for itself that makes sense a garden grows fruit rye so that someone can taste and see. God is saying to us, He's saying to you, He's saying to me this morning, I am a God who satisfies. You know, I tell my kids stuff over and over again. They can't have their iPad at the table. Why do I say it over and over again? Because I'm hoping they're eventually going to hear what I'm saying. God said, how many times in Scripture they all ate and were satisfied? How many times do we see a woman pouring a jar and God giving her more than enough? How many times do we see the principle of God meeting every need? He is a God who satisfies. He satisfies you and he wants to satisfy others through you. We're his witnesses. We're the ones in which my garden, my life is a product of living water and living bread. Me plus living water and living bread equals fruit. It's fruit that is good. 
It's fruit that others need. It's fruit that, that, that reveals the power of the kingdom of God. That's what's accomplished at our table. That's why for me, our tables are so important. I believe someone needs to come to your table. Yes, they need to eat food. Yes, they need to have a good time. But they need to taste and see the goodness of God in your life. They need to hear your story. We're talking about your story in Sunday school. They need to hear what God's doing in you. We don't have to just sit down and, and do a devotion with them. But the product of God in your life is a revelation. You know what excites me about the article I read about community? That's weird, Pastor. About the diminishing of the church? I know. God said it's not good for man to be alone. I know that in every person, I don't care what the culture is producing around us, is a need for community. And the less that is taken away, that's just more darkness that comes. And you know what the scripture tells me? I'm the light. He says that, that I'm the light. He's going to use me to be light. Jesus Christ in me is going to shine. And when people see my light, they're going to hunger and thirst for what I have. I believe that no matter what happens, every man, every woman is created with a need to be loved by God. We all are looking for love. We're all looking to be loved. And there's one who is love. That's God. He revealed that love through his son, Jesus Christ. You and I are are the product of the love of Jesus Christ in this world. And we're the revelation of that to this world. People will see and know through us. Sometimes... We're hiding the best because we're afraid of who's with us. Sometimes the most important thing someone's ever going to experience at your table is the power of God that's happened in your life. But you're afraid to acknowledge it. You're afraid to talk about it. You're afraid to say anything about it because you don't want to offend. You don't want to hurt. You don't want to come across the, the wrong way. Well, you, can you imagine me baking an apple pie? Have Aunt Joyce baked me an apple pie? I mean, it's there. Aunt Joyce bakes it for me. Then I go over to Aunt Joyce's house. It's still in the oven so she could keep it warm for me, but she just doesn't tell me it's there. She knows it's the one thing that I came for. She knows it's the one thing that I came to experience. Yeah, I love Aunt Joyce, but man, I want some apple pie. Can you imagine she just left it in the oven and then I left and then didn't ever taste the apple pie? How foolish would that be? The greatest thing that someone is going to experience at your table is the product of Jesus Christ in you. It's the product of Jesus Christ through you. It's the way you live. It's what you say. It's how you carry yourself. And sometimes we let people come and not have the very best thing. They come. And they leave without being satisfied. I believe God uses the example of the table because it's a place of satisfaction. It's a place of fulfillment. You guys can come forward. It's a place for you to be satisfied. This morning I want to speak to to you and I want to say, if you're not satisfied today, God 
is a God who satisfies. There may be things you've tried. There may be ideas you have. There may be a way that you've decided is going to bring you satisfaction. It's all the things that you want. It's all the things the world has told you that you need. And you're truly not satisfied. I want to tell you that Jesus Christ today has come. He wants to speak to you today. To come to his table. To eat of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. To come and remember what Jesus Christ accomplished. Because he came that you might have life and have it to the full. He came that you might have life and be satisfied. He came that you might have life and no living water and living bread and never hunger and thirst again. I'm telling you, if you leave here this morning hungry, physically or spiritually, it's because of you. Does that make sense? I'm not saying we shouldn't be hungry spiritually. I'm saying we should be satisfied today. And for others, he might be speaking to you about streams of living water. He might be speaking to you about the garden that he's trying to produce in you. He might be speaking to you about the fruit that is growing. We need to taste and see that he is good. We need to we need to come to his table to experience the fullness of what he has. In just a few moments, we're coming to the table. Whoever wants to distribute these, you can. Dwayne's back there. I'm going to tell a story on him this morning. It happens, Dwayne. Oh, a couple months ago, three months ago, Jim, he came to me. He said, hey, Pastor, we need to go take communion to Dwayne. I said, okay, that's great. And, you know, when we become pastors, we get these little kits, and they got this little container, and you put them little crackers in there and trying to figure out a jar and, and, and take it to his house. And, and, and I came to his house, and we sat down in his living room, and I think I had probably six pieces of the crackers in there and just the little containers, you know, and uh, we had a little thing of juice and Anyway, we were getting ready to eat it, and I, and I gave Dwayne one, but he said one wasn't enough. He said, give me more of those things. He said, I don't know why you do so little stuff. But it's funny that I'm talking about a God who satisfies, and we really use like stale bread and, and a tiny little glass of, of juice that we can barely taste to be the revelation of a God who satisfies. This morning, if you need more to drink, there's more juice in the back. If you need a handful of crackers, then come get some crackers. We have a God who satisfies. In His desire, I know these are just a representation. I know they're just a reminder of what Jesus Christ did. But He longs for you to be satisfied. How am I satisfied? When I take that bread, and I look at that bread, which represents the body of Jesus Christ. When I take that cup, and I look at that cup that represents the blood of Jesus Christ. And I think about what that body was broken for. What that blood was shed for. The revelation, for God so loved the world that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die. So that we might have life and have it to the full. God sent Jesus so that today I could be satisfied. The fullness of His love. The stuff that I was trying to do to satisfy myself, the sins that, that I've been serving, the things that I put before Him, they never satisfied me. But the love of Jesus Christ, the power of His body, the beauty of the blood, and the, the new covenant that it is. 
I can be satisfied. I can ask that, Jim. Did everybody get one? Or two if you need an extra? We're going to pray. I'm going to read the words that I usually read from 1 Corinthians, but I'm going to encourage you to have a moment at his table. So we're not, going to, we're not going to direct you when to drink or when to eat this morning. Tam's going to sing a song this morning. But I want you to think about all that this is, all that this represents, all that is yours. What's in your hands is <laughs> nothing compared to the one who said, do this in remembrance of me. Father, this morning as we come to your table, this morning, God, as we're in your house and you've set the table for us, as we've been still and listen, maybe we prepared our hearts during worship fellowship with one another. Saying to us today, come and see. Taste and see. Taste living bread. Taste living water. So you'll never thirst again. body of Christ that was broken. The blood of Christ that was shed. Not for show, but for salvation. Done in love. A revelation of that love. Pray, Lord, that as we partake today, that you would satisfy. That it would be more than what we hold in our hands, but a revelation of a God who loves us. Not just a tiny piece, but to the full. Because of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Scripture says, For I received from the Lord, but I also passed on to you the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed. He took some bread. When he given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And they all ate and were satisfied. They all ate 
and we're satisfied. The Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, may He turn His face towards you, grant you His peace, and may you eat and be satisfied so others may eat and be satisfied. Amen? Be blessed.